Welcome to the Mixed In Key podcast. Uh, I'm back with my main man, the, my uh, original co-host, uh, my brother from another mother. It's Isaac Sprintus joining me again. Uh, welcome back to our uh, humble podcast. Isaac, uh, I've missed you. It's good to have you back. How are you? I'm great. Great to see you again and uh, good to check in again. Absolutely. Um, we've been really busy over here at Mixed In Key working on some new products top that we're secret. excited to share eventually. Yeah, top secret classified pro- projects. Yep. Yeah. The world better watch out. Um, it's coming. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And we've got the competition going with, um, you know, for the music innovation contest, which is an incredible, man. The, the tracks we're getting already I are know. so good. They're so good. And there's so many of them. It's, we've, we've, People are just... yeah. It's incredible. We've People we've are just uh, clamoring. We've surpassed the total number of entries in our previous contest two years ago in the first week. That's mm-hmm. crazy. I mean, it, we and are, the quality, yeah. the quality is so high. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, very. It's so diverse. Yeah. I mean, I, I love you know we're getting stuff from Mexico and Brazil and and you know all over Europe, and the United States. Yeah, it's just really exciting. It is. It's yeah. It's phenomenal. The, the prize package is phenomenal too. If anyone uh, listening is not familiar, uh, you really need to check it out because we are asking for uh, any anybody can enter, regardless of um, you know how long you've been doing it for. Like l- anyone can win. There's no barriers um, to winning so long as you're creating something innovative by combining at least two genres of music. That's what we're looking for. And the winner. Uh, I mean, there's twenty seven thousand dollars worth of unbelievable prizes from you know the biggest and best companies in music tech and the music industry it's phenomenal prize package and uh yeah five people are going to scoop some big prizes soon uh when's the closing date uh the 21st 21st. is uh the end of submission and then we give a couple weeks for the judges yeah to go through it um and that's the other kicker right? right so if you're in the top 20 of this, mm. if you're in the top 20, you're actually, you're getting your music listened to by David Guetta, yeah. by Bill Factor, by Cascade, mm. by these, you know, legends and these people that are successful yeah. and just Grammy nominated or winners, yeah. and DJs, producers, like fantastic exposure yes. in that way. Yeah. Of course, we post, we're going to post the top 20 on the site and yeah. then of course the winners. And yeah, not to mention, you know, $27,000 worth of prizes right. that are epic. Yeah. You know, uh, what would you like? What you looked at these prizes? What What do you want? If you uh, could have any of these Mao asked me that last <laughs> week as well. You know, that is a tough question. Uh, I mean, it's it's hard to to choose. I like the I like, I like the the idea of the Gulf Foss. I haven't used that before, so I'd like to try mm-hmm. it. I really like the idea of the sub pack. I'd like to try that. But as I said to Mal last week, I don't think, given the opportunity, that I could look past. Uh, not that I play guitar very well, but I would love to have a Fender Telecaster. Uh, that would be yeah, yeah. I. I get that. Yeah. I would go with the Fender if I were you too. But for <laughs> myself, I love like the, the Sennheiser headphones, the uh, HD 820s. Yeah. I can't, I, I can't pass those up just no. because they're the, they're the top of the top. You know, yeah. you can't, yeah. you, you can't, you can't beat those things. And, no. uh, you know, that would be, that would be the one that, that I would, yeah. if I could pick just one of these. Things, yeah, yeah, no, that is a beautiful prize. Um, and that's just one. That's just one of like <laughs> dozens and dozens thing, of these yeah. prizes. Uh, I'm sat here with the HD 600s on my head and I'm very happy with those. Uh, the 820s are, uh, uh, you know, another cut above. But um, yeah, I have to say that I, I, I feel like my head came, headphone game is strong enough. I'm happy with my, my game at this stage. Nice. But, um, you know, it was interesting just talking about these entries that we've had for the contest so far, because uh, it does bring us on to our topic for for today. Uh, Because what I've noticed is just from us sharing some of the entries in our uh, Slack channels, uh, just, you know, the Mm -hmm. team listening through things, we already have kind of quite, you know, moments of division where uh, some people will say, I really like that. And someone else will say, no, I really don't like that. 
You know, like it's so interesting to yeah. see that in a team of people who are all music producers or DJs or, you know, uh, passionate about music and in, involved in the creation of products. And, and you know, we, we all come from a very similar kind of um, uh, angle, I suppose, uh, level of passion. And yet we can disagree so uh, just like on one track can can divide us entirely between, you know, what we're talking about today, what makes a good song. Um, if you ask, you know, there was one a, a few days ago, Sarah and I disagreed. Um, and if you ask Sarah, is that a good song? She'll say no. If you ask me, is it a good song? I'll say yeah. So, you know, the, it, we're going to talk about what makes a good song. And I think that um, the sort of the huge caveat is it, it really is all in the ear of the beholder. But, yeah, you know, yeah. are there other factors at play that we can um, work with or embrace or to things that might give us a slightly better chance at making something that could universally be considered good? I, as my, I personally oscillate between two mindsets with this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, I try and take the approach of saying, you know, there's, there's something to like and appreciate in everything. Yeah. I like to, I like to hope and believe that someone's artistic expression has some value and there's always something good in it. Yeah. At the same time, I can be I'm, I'm very picky in what I actually think is good. Yeah. So <laughs> it's like I appreciate the effort and I appreciate, you know, the work and the craft. Yeah. And I can always I try to always find something to like in in in, in something in music and expression. Yeah. Mainly because I, you know, I I, I think it's too easy to be a hater i think it's too easy just to hate and think yeah. oh that's not good that's not good only this is good yeah you know yeah yeah and it's in it it limits you mm -hmm. to me it's a it's that limits my palette and what i can uh draw as inspiration yeah to make music yeah um so I'd much rather just be instead of a hater a lover with everything yeah and then it's funny because I have that's my point of view, but at the same time, like, yeah, I think a lot of stuff sucks. And I'm really picky, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I'm uh, completely a hypocrite on this stuff. Um, but I guess that's to say that there's there's two things, which is I think a truly great song, a really brilliant song, um, transcends genre. Yeah, transcends. A recording, a recording quality mm -hmm. uh, can even trans transcend the performer. Mm. You know, um, you know, you can take um, you can take songs that were covered by people later on mm. and became massive hits. Uh, um, and what you'll find is that gem of a genius of the tune was in the original and mm. you might not like the genre you might not yeah. like the performer but mm -hmm. the song was still always good you know? yeah I, I i agree i think i just uh, an example comes to mind um billy holiday strange fruit um because mm -hmm. it, it is a timeless song but if you listen to that original recording the the sort of the lo-fi quality of the recording itself uh it hasn't aged well in that sense it sounds very rough it sounds it's almost it's hard to listen to for people who've got who are used to listening to things with a more modern um fidelity um and yeah. i can totally imagine that a lot of people would instantly turn it off because they'd be like oh it just doesn't sound it doesn't sound right I don't, I, don't, I don't like that um but the song itself the music that's in that song and it is strangely haunting and strangely captivating and i think it's an incredible song in that format, but I can see how the presentation of it would turn a lot of people away. Um, so it's like, you know, to the, to those people, is it not a good song? It, it's, it's not a good song, you know? I don't know. I mean, that's one of the greatest songs of all times and the most haunting recording yeah. of all time and just beautiful. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. It's like, uh, if you're not used to listening to that stuff, mm. um, you got to get you like for me, I, I got used to listening to that kind of stuff and hisses and pops. Yeah. Uh, and so for me, it's, it, it, I don't have that issue, but you're totally right. That's a barrier. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, 
and the song on its own, regardless of, you know, who performs or uh, whatever it is. That's, yeah. that's a piece of musical genius that is it, it is timeless. It, uh, yeah, I, of course it is. Um, I think most people would agree on that. Um, but let's flip that on its so that head. Says, but we, yeah. What, what, what's interesting about that song, though, is that has a political meaning. Yeah. It has a strong subject matter. Mm. And then it has a haunting melody. It combines mm. a message. Mm. And it also tells a story in a abstract way, in a sense. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and just is... Uh, you know, uh, a hauntingly beautiful melody. So it yeah. has, but what I, it has something of a sublime quality yeah. and not the band sublime, but, no. <laughs> but the sublimeness meaning a piece of art that elevates you to a different place, makes yeah. you think of something else. Um, that to me is what that piece of music has that it's, yeah, it's special I, I think I think I I completely agree, and I think that there is something um, there is something in that. Uh, I just I'm, this is all. I wrote an article yesterday for our wiki, basically on this same topic, and what I argued in that was that the, for example, something like Strange Fruit is a is a sort of a perfect marriage of melodic and lyrical and tonal um, channeling of a particular emotional energy of that time, of that moment in history. Uh, it was civ the civil rights movement. It was about lynchings and, you know, unspeakable atrocities um, that were the reality of people living in the Deep South as Billie Holiday was, I, I believe. or I don't think she wrote it, but, you know, whoever did write it, um, this was, and I think it, it 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 wouldn't even matter if they weren't if the people who wrote it were up in New York or somewhere completely. Different. I don't think that would matter. What what matters was yeah. that somehow they they were able to take this emotional energy that it's 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 part anger, it's part anguish, it's part um, devastation, it's just part being you know haunted by a spectacle all of these things that, that a lot of people were feeling at that time because a lot of people were aware of or subjected to the horrors of post-slavery um racist america um this was a something sitting in the air if you know what i mean and i think that that a great songwriter can pluck that from the air and put it into a melodic and lyrical arrangement Yeah. And I, I think, you, you know, you asked what makes a song good and what this is like a song that is uh, transcendently good, you know, yeah. or perfect. You yeah. could say, you know, yeah. this is, this is not, this is not good. This is like, <laughs> uh, this, this goes into the Smithsonian of the Louvre, yeah. right? Like, uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. You know, with Hallelujah and a couple other songs yeah. like that. Perhaps we've you know, started. Imagine yeah. or whatever. <laughs> Perhaps we should. We, we, you know, we should either tone it down a bit, or we should. Uh, we should have called the, the the episode "What Makes a Perfect Song." Um, we're, we'll aim for yeah. good. We're, yeah. We'll aim, we'll I mean, aim for good. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's like it's a once in a generation, you know, piece yeah. of just art, like a, you know, like Imagine. You know, whether yeah. you like it or not, Imagine is a pretty genius genius song yeah. um and you know there's there's just tunes like that yeah um, but the, 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 those perfect songs they perfectly encapsulate the sense or the emotion or the energy of a large group of people who usually don't feel heard at that moment that's usually what a perfect or a great song is able to do um and sometimes it's not done necessarily i, th I would say with lyrics Sometimes it is just the sound, like, you know, Santana or Prince can do things without going overboard on lyrics. The lyrics can be simple, but the sound can be perfect, devastating. But I would, I would say that yeah. to a lesser degree, just writing a good song, being able to write that good song, is to reflect in some way the emotions of a group of people around you or the energy 
or to channel that energy, harness that energy from a group of people somewhere and give them something that they, makes them feel reflected and heard? So, so, the, so the barrier is that it's, uh, it needs to be a reflection back of something that is a universal feeling, right? That we're yeah. all... We can all relate to, yeah, basically, yeah, the I, way I'm hearing you. Uh, yeah, and, and that changes all the time. So I think you have to be really careful about, I think this is, this is there's, there's a degree of kind of um, uh, almost kind of like Buddhism involved in, in what I'm saying, which uh, may be a little bit on the hippie end of the spectrum for some, but I'm, kind of, I'm going to go with it. Like, I, I feel like there are these frequencies that, exist and like a, a real clear example of that for me uh, i'm sh uh, you know i would like to know if you agree thousands of miles away from me um since coronavirus and lockdown and all of this stuff that's happened the frequency of um our existence has just changed there's a vibrational change that has happened and i can't quite put my finger on what exactly it is but i know that my life has changed the speed the pace of my life has changed that the, there's just there feels like there's a different energy in the air than what there was previously. Um, I would say that that is something which a good songwriter, or a great songwriter, is going to be able to kind of gr even subconsciously channel, grasp, you know, put something down which makes people feel a connection to it because they're sharing this. Mo we are sharing a moment across the world, whether you like it or not, you know, and it's like if we can grab hold of that somehow and channel it somehow, you're going to write, a, you, 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 you might write a good song. You might write a song that re reverberates, resonates with people. That's super interesting. It's um, about what is the purpose of the song? Yeah. What is it trying to say? Mm. So in, in, when you're improvising, it's, commonly said like you know what are you trying to say here what is your what's the what is that you're trying to get across yeah. what's the emotion or feeling you want to get i think it's the same with songwriting so if the emotion that you're trying to capture or mm. share is reflective or trying to reflect the time mm. to make it personal then then yeah you need to go that route what you're saying the other side of this is it could be that what you're trying to share or have be the message is mm. let's enjoy ourselves yeah. or yeah. you know but it's, uh, let's yeah. let's relax now and let's yeah. let's let's uh, let's have fun yeah. and and that you know let's be you know erotic or sexy you know whatever's yeah, yeah. going on and hot yeah those songs are super popular like that is what's that's what their goal is and yeah. I wouldn't you know I wouldn't say like WAP, I'd say that's a good song, you know, like that, that song is really popular yeah, right now. Yeah, yeah. And it, and the subject matter is, it is what it is. Yeah. And it's a lot of fun for what it is. And it's, a, it's very, it's a great song. You yeah. can't argue with the fact that it's successful, provocative. Right. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't reflect our time, though. It's not reflecting like that could have been written before COVID for sure. Yeah, you know, it probably was. Yeah, sure. But I think that, that that is tapping into another universal truth because there these 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 frequencies don't exist in isolation. So there is there is a change in in energy and vibration. There is a different shared consciousness that we all have right now. But we still want to get laid. We still like falling in love. We still mm -hmm. hurt when we fall out of love. We still have friends. Mm -hmm. We still want money. We still, there's fundamental universals which are still present. And I think we can always write to those. That's why there's so many love songs. Yeah. Yeah. But it has to be authentic. I mean, to me, yeah. To me, I've, I would find it harder at this time to not write about what's going on with the world. And, you know, how, you know, politics is affecting everybody and, and yeah. the emotions around the political situation, the COVID situation, mm. the economic situation, it affects everybody I know. Yeah. And yeah. I, I would, I, I would be drawn to be writing something that reflects that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you're right. It could be just like that WAP was just written before. It probably was. Um, 
But I and mean, people people still need escapism. So there's nothing you can understand that people yeah. who've got a lot of pressure yeah. and a lot of stress at this moment might just want. Like a lot of people aren't looking for songs necessarily. I think it's becoming less and less common. They're not looking Absolutely. for songs to fix things. They're looking for songs to just like let help them forget about things. That's that's exactly what's going on too, right? Yeah. I mean, you can you can you know watch cable news and it'll drive you crazy if you watch too much of it. But, yeah. You know, you kind of need to throw or on a comedy or something every once in a while. Or right, something right, yeah. Just for fun, to yeah. enjoy yourself, to listen to something relaxing. Yeah, and that, that gets back to what I'm saying. Like, what is the point? Like, what, what are you trying to do? Yeah. And, you know, if it's a love song, being as true to yourself mm. and to what you're communicating out there, I always believe that the the most you can be like yourself in a piece of music to to share what it is that you hear that you think is good yeah the most you can ex the more you can express that the better it'll be relatable to everybody else yeah you know right so yeah no the, i think what, the, yeah you get into trouble when you're trying to write like someone else yeah you know? yeah totally although it, there's nothing wrong with borrowing stealing ideas um that's totally fine because that's a valid influence and those influences go into who you are how you create that's that's fine that's a slightly different thing i don't mind at all i, I would encourage people to borrow imitate steal whatever except for the emotional authenticity of it i think that that that's where you can just tell like we spot like humans are quite adept at spotting falseness and i think you can just tell when someone's like trying to have the right like uh, what did hendrix say uh, blues is easy to play but hard to feel you know it's like and and you can you can hear when it's not right but it, that doesn't mean that it has to be like like it can be what you might it can be mundane but if it's your truth then that's totally totally valid and it's more likely to come across as authentic but i i uh, sort of to, to almost um, contradict myself to a degree, although I do think it's not directly a contradiction, I do think that you can fantasize and create an alternate reality. I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but it has to be yours. You know, it's like it, it, it can't yeah, be what you yeah. think somebody else wants to hear you fantasize about. That's 100% true. I think that's a great, great way of putting it. Because you're not going to be, you know, you're not going to go through all this heart heartache in every one of your songs that you write. But you can yeah. emotionally feel it. Yeah, you know? yeah. Yeah. It reminds me of um, Towns Van Zant, who's this great kind of Texas songwriter. And he got covered by like uh, Dolly Parton and Willie Nelson and all right. these other people. It is... You know, he him playing it was just him on an acoustic, but yeah. he got covered, and there were huge mega hits. Um, and it was his songwriting. Right, know? he was the legendary songwriter. Yeah, he didn't he didn't actually live all the lives of the stories he told. Right, but uh, but he personalized them. Yeah, and then he told the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that that is totally true. Um, I guess. That's probably the reason I probably don't lean to like I have more trouble sort of um, expressing or advocating that is just that it doesn't it's not my way like I'm not I'm not able to do that like I can't do a sort of a slick Rick telling a story in a song I really admire people mm -hmm. that can that's probably a different thing I mean but uh, that doesn't like telling a story is completely a valid expression um, but yeah. Does it tie into, I mean, can the story be a complete um, detachment from your, your own experiences and still sound authentic? Yeah, if you interpret the story and if you're, mm. if you're the message within the story is related to your own point of view, yeah. then yeah. Okay, yeah, I can see that. Because if it's not, yeah, and that's, you can think of like these, you know, these great story songs or these places where mm. yeah they didn't live that life they didn't necessarily do that but what they did do is they shared how they felt 
going through that, yeah. which became, which is a universal truth, you know, if they, if it comes from the right place. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. I mean, um, you know, and, and what did they say? There's only seven real stories in the world. Um, yeah. You know, so it's like as humans at some level, we, we, the reason we like certain stories is that we do empathize with them. Even if we weren't alive in Caligula's Rome or, um, you know, like, whatever like vietnam or whatever we don't we don't have to be there to recognize the human element in in a story and do I you think, think something needs to be new within a song for it to be good like yeah. uh what is there what is what is there about that well i th- is that yeah i think that, like, that mao is a is, a, is an advocate I, I agree with him he's an advocate for sound design as a method of implying newness because there are only a limited number of chord progressions which are likely to be successful in most types of music um maybe a hundred maybe less um and as a result it is a little bit retreading steps that have been trod before so to add something new into it is probably the challenge that is probably one of the key challenges for turning a decent song into what we can all agree is a good song or enough people can agree is a good song because it has to be right for the time. It's, um, it's all very well going and writing a song that would have been perfect for the 80s, but if it doesn't have... Like The Weeknd is, is doing 80s stuff um, at the moment because it's starting to come back into fashion, but he's making it like... And Bruno, um, Bruno Mars and Mark Ronson, Uptown Funk, very, very 80s, but they, made, they gave it enough newness and freshness and something exciting that hadn't been heard before a way i mean i think in uptown funk probably only really bruno mars's vocal style was probably the only thing that couldn't that was not chai light style 70s and 80s uh, maybe the production. Well, the production. Yeah. The production was a throwback, but the production was definitely mixed yeah. new, you know. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And yeah, it definitely had it, it's like um it's like a like a Ford Mustang, you know, <laughs> making the new retro design. It's right. still yeah. it still yeah. looks new. It doesn't look like the old sixty seven. Yeah. It's still yeah. you know, shiny and a little bit too aerodynamic <laughs> or something like yeah, that. Yeah, right, right. Um, yeah. but yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but definitely, I mean, yeah, it's a it's like they made something new though. They yeah. they took something and then they recreated and made it new and it's you know that's great. Yeah. Um it goes back to like making things your own, but I was wondering I was wondering about is the newness necessary? And that's mm. I'm I'm not sure it always is, but um I think that there are certain types yeah. of music that 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 just are classic and you can do a kind of a, a song in that genre and it's so it's so classic that you don't need to reinvent that a, a style like it indie rock doesn't change you know and songs can be great uh-huh. in that genre um you know what sort of music do you, would you say like Nora Jones is cuz that's timeless you know it, it, you can have songs that are just like that from 70s 80s 90s to now and i think a good song will stand yeah. out well, yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, and but those things still evolve as well, right? Mm. You know, the the Grateful Dead now have John Mayer singing for them, and the yeah. current batch of jam bands sound they sound different than they sounded, you know, twenty years ago. Yeah. And they're more progressive, or um, you know, like Wolfpack, like that mm. stuff. You know, they're like super jazzy. Yeah, yeah. Frog musicy, but they you you can tell where they're coming from, yeah. but it's not the same as fish or whatever. No, you know? no, it isn't. I, I think yeah. you do need to have an identity of some sort and stick sort of stick with mm-hmm. that, like make that what people can recognize is you. Um, but that doesn't mean you can't tra- change genres what completely or could do things in a completely different way from album to album or whatever. Um, but you do have to have an element of you in every song, uh, which kind of goes back to this authentic authenticity idea. 
Uh, and that might just be a case of reflecting what you're listening to, like what the influences that and that that you took on in order to create this song. If you reflect those a little bit, perhaps they're different to what other people's influences might be. Um, sometimes we see things kind of being more like um, resurrections. Uh, I'm thinking of sort of Childish Gambino. Um, that uh, f- I can't remember the, n- the name's gone from the top of my head, but uh, it's an m- incredible album. One of my the favorite. Zombies. Oh, yeah. Why yeah. can't I remember? I, I'm going to have to. The last one. The last album. Yeah, it's just phenomenal. <laughs> one of my favorite albums. And uh, also someone like Thundercat, maybe, who are taking the ideas of stuff that had been people weren't doing so much anymore. So Childish Gambino, it was that kind of um, Ike Turner kind of um, slow jam soul stuff. Uh, People weren't putting that in the same, because what they were doing was they were making it sound much more modern if they were going to do that style of songwriting. But by, you know, you can return to things if it's not been played out. You know, if it's a passion, I mean, I think the passion of that record comes through and it's clear that what he was in love with was the music from that era that he wasn't hearing on the radio. So he thought, I want to do that. Yeah. To me, it sounds most like George Clinton and Parliament Funkadelic. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, you know, like, and yeah, you're right. He said, I'm going to make a record that sounds like, you know, Funkadelic and Maggot Brain and stuff like that. And and it, it comes out. Um, but it is, it is more modern. It's a more modern twist. Yeah. You know, and and I mean, George Clinton is also making music right now as well. And his is, I would, I would argue that his stuff is more modern than what, uh, Childish Gambino did. He's got these, (laughs) you know, like, just you know, rapping all over stuff and doing crazy stuff, yeah. and he's always pushed the boundaries. Well, yeah, I mean, he's he's but, a, he's an author. But I, I think going back, yeah, but going back to like what what makes a song good? Yeah. You know, if I were to write a song, if I were to if I were to try and write a song, the last thing I I can should probably think when trying to write the song is mm. I want to make this good. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. That's true. I mean, that's what we said about the innovation conversation last week. You know, it's like, don't set out to make an innovative song. Don't set out to make a good song. Just be authentic and try and have, try and harness as many influences as possible and see what happens. And I think, you know, uh, was it somebody said, um, you know, I, I, I hereby instruct you to write crap songs, uh, write a lot of crap songs because crap makes good fertilizer. You know, it's like you you just yeah, have to. Yeah. I mean, I guess there's a degree of how do you recognize when you've written a good song versus when you've written one of your regular crap songs? Because we all do write crap songs. Yeah, that goes back to my my point of view on how to be productive making music, which mm. is not to judge it. Yeah the the biggest the biggest paralyzers, you know, judging your work while you're working on it. Yeah. Like, is this good? You know horrible can't if you you ask yourself that while you're in the middle of trying to write something yeah you're done for (laughs) you know yeah um so yeah yeah, for me at least with my my personality Mm. but for me i try and write it all the way through yeah and have a full first pass yeah and then i can edit and refine down and massage it down and that's when I can be critical and mm. go, oh, this, this part sucks. This could yeah. be better. Yeah. Um, and yeah. And if I ever, if I were to think like, ah, oh, I want to make a good, good song. It's like, it's a judging the quality of it instead of the substance, yeah. you know? Yeah. Like I want to, I want to write a, I want to write like a, a funk song, mm. you know, mm. about, um, you know, my day-to-day life. Like, okay, that's the substance. Yeah. That's what you're trying to communicate. Yeah. Yeah. And, and if I'm focused on that, uh, I think I'd get better results. <laughs> right. I think, I think that's, that's spot on really. I mean, that's, that's, um, you know, if we're talking about some kind of practical guidance of how to write a good song, um, first don't, don't go out with your idea is not to write a good song. Your idea is your idea. Like you said, if you want to do a funk song about going to put the rubbish bins out, you know, at the end of the week, 
um, do it. I mean, go for it. Like it, it, it's not been done before. So that's a that's initially that's that's one point. You know, it's like and 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 work with that. But you know, target something. Focus your idea. Feel it. Under, try and understand really how you're feeling. Get some words out, or just or just get some melody out and you know feel if you're feeling it and it and then allow yourself to go into that kind of like space that creative space that we all go into when we're writing um you can't really like that's another thing we talked about last week sometimes it that you go into that space on the bus rather than when you're in your studio you're not necessarily it's like sometimes when you get in your studio and you press that record button you're like oh shit now what <laughs> you know and perhaps yeah, yeah. perhaps just be open you know like again i'm getting into the sort of buddhist sort of energies sort of stuff but it's like be open to where your head is at be open to where uh where you are and feel free to grab an idea as soon as it comes do not think oh i'll remember that in an hour's time because you won't if it comes just be ready to grab it at least make a voice note or something so that you've got something to then take back into the studio when you're ready and go, okay, I did have this idea. I've just set it into my phone. Make a funk track about taking the rubbish out and I want it to go like, like what, just literally whatever. Um, it gives you a good starting yeah, place, yeah. right? That's your, in, your, you've got a link to your actual brain, <laughs> if that makes sense. You know, you're not second guessing yourself so much. You've got somewhere to start. Is there anything else you think that might help us just give ourselves a better shot at writing something good? Yeah, I think uh, learning learning good songs always helps. Uh -huh. um, I've always been a proponent when I did teach music mm. that to get someone uh, to play songs that wanted to play mm. because if you if you're let's say you know i mainly talk guitar mm. and, and if you're trying to learn guitar and, and you like uh i remember i had a student that loved um rage against the machine yeah right so he was he was a young kid but mm. like hey you love rage against the machine let's learn some rage against the yeah. machine songs you're going to be inspired to play more mm. and and i think the same thing goes with songwriting you want to write great songs, learn how to play those great songs, yeah. internalize it. What makes it great? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and I think that's part of increasing your vocabulary. Yes. So if you, if, you know, if, if what you're drawn to is Billy Joel mm. and for whatever reason, that's what you consider good. Mm. Mm. Become like the master of Billy Joel songs. So learn yeah. how to play them all. Learn how to sing them. Yeah. Learn those lyrics. Yeah. Have those lyrics memorized. It'll come out later mm. in your own way. Yeah, it will. Know? Yeah, you'll start to understand what he was choosing when he was writing his chords or his lyrics, and then you'll yeah. be able to go, well, what if I take this as a starting point? But I take it somewhere else based on some other songs that I've played of his that and think, well, what might he have done differently? Or what, you know, or like something, then you're open to your own just experiences, your own influences, your own ideas, your own feelings just coming through. But I, I, that, that comes back to a starting point. I think having a play, a jump off point is, is like a solid one, um, helps channel, focus your ideas kind of thing. With music, more so than a lot of other things, you are what you eat, right? <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> you're what you listen to, yeah. you're what you learn how to play. Yeah. That's that's going to be your voice. Yeah. Like if you like with guitar, if you study how to play like Yngwie Malmsteen and do these like sweep arpeggios yeah. and make everything sound like neoclassical shred. Yeah. What you're gonna have a hard time when you try and sound like uh, you know country swing playing yeah. Bob Wills and his Texas Playboys like you're, that's not that's not the food and the vocabulary you've digested right yeah you know? yeah yeah that's a great it's way of like, putting it yeah, yeah. that's probably I mean, why I think songwriting is the same way yeah of course it is of course I, mean, it I is. can always hear 
I, I can always hear when I think a songwriter has completely digested like all the Beatles songs or all yeah, of Bob Dylan. Yeah. It's been, you can tell when it's like, okay, this person really loves Bob Dylan, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. It, and it can be someone, you know, it could be Coldplay. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, obviously they've spent some time listening yeah. to that. Yeah. And there's nothing you wrong know? with that. There's nothing wrong with having clear and obvious influences. Nothing wrong with that at no. all. I think that's another thing yeah. that, that people can fall into the trap of is thinking, oh, but it sounds too much like this. And I want, I have to be completely new and original and fresh. And it's like, you probably are, man. Like, you know, you probably are more original and more fresh than you think because nobody's got your brain and nobody's nobody's making the choices you're making. No one's got your abilities, lack of abilities, limitations, whatever. There's so much that goes into the creative process that unless you're consciously stealing like from one song verbatim, it's really unlikely you're you're going to you're going to be a ripoff. Yeah, I think. Yeah. But well you, you know, you never would think, um, you would never think some artists have these big inspirations mm. until you kind of make this connection, right? right? Like, yeah. uh, yeah. you know, would you say, you know, like, all, like Sue John Stevens mm. or, you yeah. know, Jeff Buckley, were they, were they heavily inspired by, the Grateful Dead, or were they heavily inspired by these other artists? Yeah. Some of them were. Yeah. And some of them, like, might know that entire songbook, you know? Yeah. But, um, like, Post Malone, man, I, I saw him play, you know, he played, like, every Nirvana song and sang every Nirvana song a little while ago. Oh, yeah. He made a band, and, they, and he performed the entire, like, albums of Nirvana really? music <laughs> one day. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Yeah. Sang it, played guitar. And then there's a video of him, you know, singing uh, like uh, a Bob Dylan tune. Yeah. It's like perfect. Yeah. So that all that inspiration and all that vocabulary and all that work he's done. Yeah. That's who he's become. He doesn't sound like those people. He doesn't no. sound like like Nirvana. He doesn't sound like Bob Dylan, mm. you know, but but he knows it. Yeah. He knows that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And that's part of his vocabulary. So he can tap into aspects of that. Yeah. Uh, it's part of your, your holistic music education, which is always going to help you write better songs. Uh, it's ironic that I'm saying that now because I'm thinking back to when I was 14 and um, <laughs> I, uh, I, had, I, I had some guitar lessons at school and I remember this, I cringe so bad. I remember uh, at the time I was like a, an angry young teenager, you know, getting my teenage sort of, um, you know, angst and all that kind of out. And I was just into a lot of punk rock, um, you know, like that kind of no effects, lag wagon, sort of pop punk sort of stuff, really. And I was just into, listening to that and I was having these guitar yeah. lessons and I remember saying to this brilliant guitarist, nah, nah, I don't, nah, I don't want to, I don't want to know any other chords. I'm, I only need like bar chords. That's all I need, power chords. Like I'm not going to listen to anything else. I'm never going to play anything else. I'm punk until I die. That's it for me. So I don't need anything. And I, and honestly, we used to spend the guitar, the whole guitar lessons, just talking about his problems. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and, I, and now I can like shred power chords and do nothing else on guitar. It's such a waste of time. And I don't listen to punk anymore. <laughs> yeah. But the, but I would argue, I've heard a lot of your music. I would argue that some of that, rebellious punk spirit yeah. is in some of your music. Like oh, the yeah. aesthetic of it makes it into there, you know? Oh, it definitely. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You are what you eat for, for sure. It's, it's, but it's not coming out in a guitar anymore, but no, no it definitely, no. definitely. Um, there's a degree of rebelliousness in what I try and do. Um, or at least I, I prefer to think of it as finding the gaps in between genres and in between artists and in between ideas um because i you know i i'm i'm really into the gray areas between things um personally um mm -hmm. but you know that's that's me everyone's got their their different um approaches and their different influences but that's my authenticity and and, and i sound better when i embrace that if i start trying to make songs that 
I, like I got signed by a, a few sort of more disco labels. And so I tried to reflect that for a while. And I tried to go, no, I'm going to make the disco that they normally release so that, so that they'll love me and so that I'll be more successful. And, and actually it, it, it was fine. Like it, I'm not, I'm not like, I'm still proud of that music, but it's not me. And it didn't feel authentic to me. And I don't think it was sustainable. Um, so it wasn't it wasn't yeah. as good as songs that I've written where I'm being the authentic piece, the, you know, the authentic reflection of my influences and my personality, you know. I feel the same way. Uh, with a caveat, though, what mm. I found for myself is yeah, I, I, that I can write like myself. I can be as much of myself in yeah. music. And the orchestration and the arrangement mm -hmm. can be totally different. Yeah. So it can be orchestral or it yeah. can be, uh, you know, piano and moody or whatever. Yeah. The notes are still very much my kind of note. Yeah. Like the melody and the chords, the sensibility is mine. So the most, mm. the more we're saying the same thing in that, the more mm. that I can be like myself, I can stretch mm. the other parts, the production but at least if the melody, which is the song, mm. the melody's me, it yeah. still can be good. Yeah. Where I feel like I don't do as good is when I'm having to write in melodies and styles that aren't my own voice. Right, so if yeah. I, yeah. Which is kind of what you're saying. Which, so if I have to write, like when I've had to write like really Baroque sounding classical pieces yeah. or something like that, I, I haven't worked on that enough in recent days, you know, it's not, mm. it's not where my mind is at. Yeah. It's not the most natural thing for me. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's like, it can be good. Some of it's good. Yeah. Some of it's not. Yeah. I, I recognize that, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. an interesting it's one. It's not my best. Sure. I mean, some, some people are probably more like some people are better actors than others. Some people probably can, um, kind of, fake an idea or just go, you know, do that, do it in a more formulaic way. I think whatever works for you, but I feel like our sort of you and I, our kind of overriding feeling on the matter is that authenticity is, is really important. Um, I guess there's someone out there that can prove us wrong um, and can kind of authentically write, classical and then heavy metal and then although they're quite yeah. similar but you know um yeah it's like it is what it is and it depends as with every well you could be well you can be i mean you can be flexible within genres and styles yeah. which yeah. i can be as well yeah. but um it's about how much vocabulary you have within that style yeah. to then also still be to still be yourself yeah. to still be to show your sensibility yeah. within that other type of genre. Like, like Lee Sanders, who we had before, you know, he has a, a much larger vocabulary in terms of arrangement yeah. and classical than I do. Yeah. And he has his ability to show his own sensibility. Right. In a much wider amount mm. of genres mm. music. Mm. Um, sure. In the, or in the orchestral realm than I do. And, yeah. and because of that, he can do that yeah. better, but he still, is best when he's being himself and showing his sensibility. His right. own best work yeah. is when it has the most of his fingerprint on right, it. Right, right. Yeah, that's a really interesting point. Um, would you say that a good song should be able to be broken down like, uh, and just simply played on the piano? One person playing the piano. Should every good song be able to be played on the piano and sound good just on that format? Or is that a myth? Or maybe, you know, if someone can sing it a cappella, uh -huh. like, you yeah. know, if you can just sing it alone. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what we're talking about good songs within the popular music mm. uh, genre yeah. or just like recorded music songs. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we haven't that, specified, that we haven't specified, I suppose, and, and there will be genres. I mean, techno on a piano probably won't sound um, particularly interesting and so on, but yeah, I guess I'm kind of probably more talking more broadly about mass appeal music or pop music in the sense of popular music. Yeah, anything within that could be a popular-ish yeah, genre, yeah. like from blues to jazz yes. to 
classical or something like that. Including EDM and you know, things uh, I mean, like that, trap. And, yeah, uh, pretty close. I think yeah. either you can you should be able to kind of sing it or be able to just play it on a piano. Yeah, it's got to be able. Yeah, it's got to have that type of. Yeah. You, you got to be able to boil it, boil it down to it's like, uh, you know, this is what it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think okay. so. Okay, interesting. L- this uh, a little tip for anybody yeah. anybody who's stuck with us long enough uh, on this episode and is thinking, <laughs> yeah, but like, give me something. What could I? What could I actually do to take my song and make it uh, make it sound good or or have that unique more modern how can i make it sound more modern whatever it is like i think this is a good tip um that um my brother has been writing some wiki articles for us recently he wrote this in his guide to uh writing what was it oh it was about using repetition in music that uh, and how that can enhance your uh your ideas uh but one of the things he said is really interesting was you could take a piece of music on piano uh, and you a very modern technique nowadays is to separate the notes from the chords and the melodies uh, and the bass lines, separate them and actually divide them more um, aggressively than you might imagine among different instruments. So you might take a three note chord and have two notes played on one instrument and, and, and the middle note played on a completely different instrument, um, which is a more modern way of doing it so then like that's why that's how you end up with these two note chords in uh ed sheer in the shape of you uh for example uh, i think that's how they ended up doing it because they they deconstructed the actual chords themselves and used different instruments to take the the strain which just adds a different timbre a different tone uh, and allows you to make choices which might uh, either sound more modern or have a, a degree of sound design in them which just separates them from the pack so um, that I think. Do you like that tip? Do you think that's uh, that's a fair? It's a one? great tip. Yeah, I love it. And repetition is definitely important as well. I Absolutely. Think you need to. Yeah. yeah, you need if there's a melody that you can that you can see, a memorable a memorable melody. Anybody can sing it or capture it in their mind and think that. Yeah. You know, I just heard a melody. I, I've got it. I know yeah. what that melody is. Yeah. Like, instantly recognizable mm. i think that's important mm. and and mm. and if it, and a good melody gets repeated yeah you know it's yeah, it really does. good it does you know well we want you it. don't need to hear it once no well <laughs> yeah exactly it's uh, as mao said last week uh music's uh cy- cycles that happen consistently throughout a song and we need we need that we need the the setup and the resolution we need it to come back to where we want it to go uh the degree of kind of being able to predict how, what the next thing is in the melody is really important because humans love that. We love that. So we're like monkeys. We're like, Oh, I guessed it. I guessed it. You know, it's like if you guess what's about to happen and then you're correct, but it still feels exciting and surprising, then you've nailed it. You've absolutely nailed it. Cause if pe- people love that feeling. Yeah. And they love either you guess where it's going, but you give it to them in a different way. Yeah, manner. exactly. So yeah. It can resolve. You can be resolving to the one chord, yeah. let's say, yeah. and you can substitute the six chord instead of the one yeah. or the three chord. Yeah. Um, or depending on the melody, you can go to the four. So you can kind of be deceptive mm. and, and set someone up. Yeah. You know, I'm setting you up for this release and yeah. for this uh, feeling of resolve. And then I give you a twist yeah. and that could be, will make something great yeah. that, you know, often those clever things are what makes something satisfying like, yeah oh, that's what that's what's interesting yeah yeah you know absolutely and another um tip i was reading about was uh god the band with a knife i think it was the knife um one of their big songs it just i don't know i'm useless with remembering names and stuff but uh they uh they the kind of the payoff of the song was they were basically playing uh i think it was a d chord or a c chord but they were just playing um i think it was a c they were just playing c and g so you didn't know whether it was major or minor at that stage because the third, the middle note is what determines major or minor. So they just played the two note chord on guitar, um, just that, strumming, strumming, strumming. And it was only when it launched into the chorus that it result, it went major, which was like lift off. But that was a trick. It's like, these are the kind of tricks that you can kind of use now. And I think that 
and that these yeah. kind of little tricks are becoming more and more common and they're finding i think because so many ideas have been done that finding a new way of presenting it is really difficult and these kind of little micro tricks uh, are becoming more and more important in songwriting yeah there's definitely like a that's been a trend recently in the last like five ten years i'd mm. say where there's like this ambiguity yeah uh, in some songs where they, they don't want you to necessarily feel ever feel too comfortable yeah. in the key. Yeah. And, and, and that keeps you on the edge of your seat. You know, mm. you're like, are you, is it the major? Is it the relative minor? Yeah. Um, that's so like, that means like, are we in C major or are we a minor? Yeah. Like, yeah. you don't know. You don't know. Where are we? And that just keeps you kind of, that kind of keeps your energy up and you never get fully, resolved from it yeah and it's funny because like writing for a, a movie that's a little bit of a trick you do in a movie too you mm. never give someone like a big resolution in the middle of the mu movie musically yeah because Need to keep, it's like keep wait what we're done yeah. we ended how did that that just ended yeah. we're still going yeah you never do that no so yeah song wise are doing that too always leave them wanting more well i it, what I recommend everybody, if you have a good song and if it's innovative, if it combines two genres, yeah. uh, you still got at least about 10 days or a week to submit it yep. and win some great prizes and even maybe prizes. better. It'll be listened to by a lot of people, including, yeah. you know, David Guetta, Cascade and many more. Fantastic. Uh, great. That's a great place to leave it there. Uh, just to, let's close on. We, ha we haven't talked tech for a while. Is there any uh, any new gear that's uh, taking your fancy? Um, there was something. Yeah, I can't <laughs> think of what it was. Uh, yeah, you go first and I'll tell you in a moment. Okie dokie. Well, I have just, I'm, I'm looking at uh, pedals because I'm doing this doorless stuff, no computer. And mm -hmm. I've got this Zoom MS multi-stomp sort of CDR thing. And it's cool, but it doesn't have that, like, beautiful reverb that an eventide space would have or something like that. So I'm looking yeah. at an expensive, fancy pedal. Uh, in fact, I'd have to pick your brains about that because I know you're really knowledgeable about these things. Uh, I would like a distortion pedal, uh, but I have just put yeah. the money down on uh, a subharmonicon, just waiting for it to arrive from america so that's my i think we've, nice. we've talked about it before but i yeah i'm excited about that it's a phenomenal unique looking synth that should open up all kinds of crazy avenues oh that's fantastic yeah that looks really great i can't wait to hear what you make with it yeah um, they seem yeah. they seem awesome yeah man yeah well i'm not sure exactly what new stuff I'll say, but I will throw this out there. There's mm. this thing called the Positive Grid Spark, which is kind of a practice guitar practice amplifier. All right. And it has, it's like, it's a beautiful little little piece. It's it's kind of like a lunchbox, a little larger than a lunchbox size. Yeah. Um, and it has, it comes with like a app, a phone app. Right. And within the app, you set up your amplifier with pedals and all sorts of stuff. Yeah. And it sounds great. It like really sounds great. Really? You have kind of a preset all in one sound mm. that just works for all sorts of genres. You can you can pull up presets people have made too to sound like Seabury Vaughn or you know Hendrix or you know Inve Malmsteen and okay. you know you can go through that. Yeah. And then the coolest thing is it's got this ability to play uh, a song you find on Spotify or YouTube, right? it instantly extracts the chords so you can see what the chords are that wow. you're playing along with. Yeah. And then it plays the music through the thing so that you can kind of, you know, mix yourself into the bands <laughs> or whatever and play along. Oh, cool. Um, so that's been my, that's been really fun for me lately. I've been practicing with that. Yeah. Um, it has a beautiful feature too where you can loop, but it instantly gives you a grid line of the timing of the track and the chords. So you can just like loop a section and work on it and learn something. Oh, that's nice. Um, for a practice tool, I mean, it's under $300 for yeah. a practice amp. Uh, I think they, they knocked it out of the park and wow. that's what I've been, I've been using lately. That's a good tip. Yeah. I like that. I did think when you said it was yeah. a, a, a guitar training 
and it was called a spark. I thought it might like give you a little electric shock when you played the wrong note or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would be good too. Yeah, that's well, one, one way of doing it. Are you, are you, live up to its name. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Are you uh, honey, money, or stick? Uh, that's for the stick. People that the people that learn by the stick can have the uh, the electric shocks. <laughs> yeah. Cool man. Wrong notes. Yeah. Oh. Ah. <laughs> yeah. Lovely good. stuff. Yeah, it's been great um, talking, man. Uh, you know, to all of our listeners, I hope you've enjoyed that that conversation. Um, we can't guarantee that you will write a good song, uh, but I think we can at least hope that we might have in some way I uh, outlined a few things to at least consider when you're trying. Um, thank you for listening and join us next week. In the meantime, get working on those contest entries. Yeah.